This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Empire. There are those who have been through it who want to help with those struggling mentally. The goal is to find balance when you're performing at your highest level possible, but your well-being is at its highest level possible. And that's what I help individuals, teams, organizations, and groups do, is learn mental performance techniques, skills, ways of thinking and approaching life. That's former Pro Bowl tight end Julius Thomas, who now spearheads programs aimed at helping athletes of all levels cope with stress, anxiety, and performance. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Julius Thomas was a star basketball player in college and became one of the best tight ends in his NFL days. It wasn't that long ago that he did those things, but to him, in terms of handling stress and having places to go to seek help, it might as well have been in another era. And his post-athletic career is all about changing that dynamic. Our guest this week is Julius Thomas. He's a former Pro Bowl tight end from the NFL, two-time NCAA tournament appearance athlete in D1 basketball, and now, in his post-career, is pursuing a doctorate in psychology and has been working with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, among other pursuits, in certified wellness. Julius, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's... um... It's always great when I get an opportunity to talk about the work that we did with NASM and um, get a chance to, to talk about something that's really important to me. And really, that's the mind, the brain and wellness. So uh, thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to getting into some of the concepts and uh, things that we um, were able to provide. Um, after your playing career, why did you go in this direction with your career? What led you this way? No, that's a great question. Um, I always just really had a passion for people. And. At some point in my life, uh, probably a little bit before my last season in the NFL, I started to think about what was most important to me, what I enjoyed the most. And uh, it became pretty clear in that moment of reflection that I liked helping other people reach the things that they were after more than I liked doing it for myself. And uh, that was a big shift, how I'd been previously. And once I determined that, I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life helping others. And um, I've been looking to find ways to continue doing that ever since. When you say that was a shift from what was happening previously, what was happening previously with you? Uh, You know, before, I think that from a young age, I just wanted to be successful so bad. Um, I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. And my entire life was focused around that journey, that, um, that desire, that passion. And I was obsessed with being the best. I mean, all I thought about every day was how do I get better at the things that, that I want to improve in. And um, those are generally aligned with sports. So for the first 29 years of my life, that's all I wanted to do. 
know, just find a way to become a better and better athlete. And um, around age 28, 29, I started realizing that maybe there's other things in life that I may have interest in. Um, and it quickly became clear that, you know, watching other people reach their achievements that they're after and have successes in their life is pretty cool. So you clearly were a success. You were a star basketball player. You transitioned to becoming a very, very good football player um, in the NFL. So you were doing this, I assume, somewhat on your own, in your own mental fortitude, um, or were you applying some of the things that you're talking about with new athletes now then? Sometimes I like to tell myself that I was doing it alone, but uh, I can reflect now and, and see how many people were truly there to help me. Um, one of the things that I teach people now is that I don't care who you are in life or where you've gotten to, you did have to bust your ass and you did have to have something that was special and unique about you. And you had to have great coaching, great resources, great education. And the things that I'm doing and I'm teaching now, I was doing some well, some not so well, because um, I didn't have a formal training or education. But now being able to add the experiences that I've had, kind of that drive, that passion, some of those intrinsic mental mindsets with the education and the science, uh, bringing them together, I think creates a really um, holistic approach to being able to go be your best, but do it in a way that's healthy, that's good for you, and that you'll be able to sustain throughout your life. Okay, so let's dive into some of that. What does the science tell you about mental performance and what, what have you learned? No, that's great. Uh, so the, the first thing that stands out to me about mental performance is if you want to be at your best mentally, you also have to be healthy. Um, as I went back to graduate school and started learning about the mind and the body, how they're connected, how the brain is coordinating and masterminding the functions around our body, it became quite clear that you have to be emotionally, physically, and mentally healthy all together, all as one to be able to sustain performance mentally. And then when you also start to look at, okay, well, if there's these three buckets that are important for helping us be at our best all the time, um, what are the, the skills that we're going to need within those buckets so that we can make sure that we're addressing them? And for me, that was, um, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me for actually being able to show up in a place where you can be at your best mentally. So what are you talking about? Diet? sleep, all of the above? What, what are you referring to when you say being healthy? Yeah, so I, I usually call them the big five. Um, so when you talk about nutrition and how important that is for giving the body the things that it needs so that it can perform its fuel. Uh, you also need to talk about sleep because that's where we recover. That's where we have so many of the hormonal factors are being adjusted and changed by the brain and body. Um, you also really have to focus on your physical activity. Um, that's essential for performance functioning. But then you've got other things uh, like managing your stress. There's so many things around us in life that can create negative impacts on our performance. What are our social relationships like? What are our work relationships like? What are our financial stresses? What are our um, uh, educational, academic stresses? All those start to affect how much stress your body is constantly under. And then the last is, you know, are you using substances appropriately? Um, substance abuse is one of the quickest ways to decrease performance. And um, it's really important to really focus on those five areas 
so that you're able to show up at your best every day. Okay. Um, you mentioned societal stresses. I, I do want to talk to you about that. Um, you were playing at a time, the internet of course existed, but it's not what it is now. Um, how do you think about mental wellness, well-being, and performance in an era where everything that every athlete is doing is being scrutinized consistently on social media? It's, it's very concerning um, for a person that has expertise in the way the mind and the brain functions. Um, there are some conditions that athletes are facing in today's hyper-connected, hyper-visible um, society that the human mind and brain was never built to have to endure. Um, one of the most stressful things you can do to a person, and we do this in research, is you ask a person to be observed socially by people they don't know. Um, this is why this is what makes public speaking one of the largest fears some people have. But there's never been any conditions on Earth where a human being can be observed with scrutiny by a hundred million or over a hundred million people, and that awareness. Um, of what it's like or what they may think now having social media and now thousands, if not millions of people can provide feedback with how they thought you did your job last night or how they thought you went about your job the day before it creates extreme and demanding um, mental pressures and stressors on performers and athletes and um, executives. And we're really going to have to create ways that we can help support them to navigate these new pressures that uh, are created through technology and other parts of society. So how do you handle it? I mean, I, I don't know how getting offline is an answer um, that would make you not connected with the modern world. So what, what are what are you talking about with athletes? Because I think shutting off social media is for most people, probably not something that's realistic. Yeah. So, you know, there's really two approaches to handle things that are really demanding or really stressful. Uh, the first approach is to remove the stressor, to remove the demands. Like if you're on a bench press and that weight becomes really heavy, the first thing you do is take the weight off. Well, like you said, that's really hard. Our life is not trending in a direction where we're gonna use technology less, we're gonna interact with uh, social media less. So what is the other thing we can do? You can strengthen the person. So that's what we're gonna have to do. That's why, um, writing, talking, education is important because we're going to have to find ways to apply all of science, all of this new learning to help strengthen people and give them the capacity they need to meet these new demands that we've created, but to do it in a way where they can be their best day after day while also being healthy and have the longevity and the quality of life that every person deserves. What do you think teams and leagues can do to help support their athletes? Well, I think a lot of it is going to come through education. Um, I think from being an athlete my entire life, uh, one of the areas that didn't receive enough education for me was what was going on mentally and physically. I talk about these three buckets of wellness, and I realized if you take a bucket, a physical bucket, a mental bucket, an emotional bucket, place it down in front of you, and then think about how much effort you poured in your life into each bucket. Well, athletes, we've got these enormous physical buckets that we poured hours and hours and hours into. But how much time have we poured into that mental bucket? How much time have we poured into that emotional bucket? So if we haven't learned how to support ourselves in those areas, if we haven't learned the skills necessary, if we haven't done the training, then those are all going to be vulnerabilities. And that's why you start to see athletes um, have some of the issues surrounding their sport or surrounding their mental health that they do. 
because we're not really investing in the mental and emotional development in the way that we can. Okay. Um, outside of high level athletes like yourself and others that we're talking about, obviously there are millions of kids that are getting into athletics now. Um, if you were to talk to their parents or talk to them directly about what is important as they kind of pursue whatever it is they want to pursue, whether it's just to do this recreationally and part of a healthy lifestyle or to be like you one day, what is your best advice at navigating being a young athlete in sports in this modern era? You know, that's a great question. And I think that each individual and each individual family is going to have to consider uh, what are you after? You know, I ask people that all the time, you know, tell me, what are you after? Because what you're after is going to determine your approach. If the child says, mom, dad, you know, I really just want to go play sports with my friends. Great. That's amazing. Sports is fantastic for you from a lot of the health and well-being benefits that we know that it brings. Go have fun, play with your friends, do it for as long as you can and then be done. Some young athletes say, you know, it's really important for me to one day have an opportunity to be a professional. Well, now, if you're going to have a, a goal like that, something that you're aspiring toward to that level, then you're going to have to approach it much more um, uh, intentionally. So you're going to have to decide, okay, how am I getting better month after month, year after year? What's the appropriate leagues, teams, coaches to be playing or training with? Um, and then what's this pathway that I can take to reach my goal and um, you're gonna need a lot of luck on the way, but you're gonna need more effort than probably most people imagine. So I think it's just about identifying what they're after, what they want, and then being able to support their kids along that journey. Taste the Mediterranean through March 19th at Whole Foods Market. Save on animal welfare certified bone and beef short ribs, sustainable wild caught sockeye salmon, and more. Find sales on Parmigiano Reggiano, charcuterie, and ground lamb. Grab an olive boule bread from the bakery. Plus, wines from the Mediterranean start at just $8.99. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Let's get into some of the work that you're doing. What, what could you tell us specifically about how you work with some of your clients? Yeah, so the work that I do is really centered around um, high performance. It's an area that I've been most of my life. It's an area that I love, um, both from doing it in the past and doing it currently for myself, but then also for supporting other people. But I think that there's some vulnerabilities in high performance and those vulnerabilities 
are also an area that I think needs to be addressed. So I think about it very simply. If you want to be at your peak, which means you're showing up every day as the best possible version of yourself, you're going to really need to focus on two areas, your performance and your well-being. And if there's a discrepancy between your well-being and your performance, it's really going to prevent you from being at your peak. The goal is to find balance when you're performing at your highest level possible, but your well-being is at its highest level possible. And that's what I help individuals, teams, organizations, and groups do is learn mental performance techniques, skills, ways of thinking and approaching life that are going to drive them towards what they're after, but then also being mindful of and instilling the well-being practices and techniques and skills that are going to allow you to show up in a healthy manner so that you're able to sustain that performance. Yeah, I think like the physical part of it to to perform at the highest level is still pretty clear to anybody who's thinking about it. These are the things you need to do to be able to excel at this level. It's that other side that I'm curious about. Um, can you be specific about what you're talking about, about keeping someone's mental well-being at a peak level so that they can perform at the highest level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to the mind, uh, there's some pretty basic things I think that everybody should focus on. One, you have to determine um, how are you approaching the thoughts within your head? You know, we've heard different things like uh, self-talk or catastrophizing or being kind of neurotic about what you're doing, right? And these are some language that we have that talks about some of these cognitive factors. But you really got to get um, a great relationship with the kind of thoughts that you have in your mind and how you're going to approach those thoughts. And there's different ways you can reframe them. You can cognitively restructure the thoughts. You can um, just observe the thoughts, like some of these really well-supported intentional ways to handle thoughts. So you've got this thought bucket. You also have to be able to hunt, handle the stressors that come up. These are the good stressors and the bad stressors. Stressors aren't always bad. It's like you have a new kid, you get a promotion, you go off to college. Great things, gonna be great for you in life, but they're stressful. And you're gonna have to know how to navigate those moments of stress really well. And then emotionally, emotions, emotions, emotions. I can't tell you how important that is. I can't tell you how many times it's overlooked and how it often becomes a stumbling block. So when we're talking about emotions, you have to be able to process emotions. You have to have a plan for emotions. I tell people all the time, well, what's your plan for fear? What's your plan for sadness? What's your plan for anger? If you don't have a plan for these normal, basic emotions that we're all going to experience, they're going to get in your way. They're going to become a detriment to you later. So it's how do you help people develop emotional intelligence so that they start to understand themselves, their patterns, the experiences emotionally that they tend to notice the most and then what to do about it so that these emotions don't become the thing that um, really impairs their ability to function at a high level. So you're talking a little bit about reframing, anchoring. Um, some of these are tenets of things like neuro-linguistic program, like programming, like that type of mental work to get you thinking in a more positive manner and not to consistently be dwelling on things of the past. Yeah. So, you know, there's a ton of approaches. Like if there's one thing that psychology as a field is really, really good at, it's creating many approaches to handle um, some of the things that are what we would call negative in our mind, whether that's the feelings, whether that's the thought. So you have some of your standard ones like, you know, CBT, 
And that helps you really start to restructure a little of the way you're thinking. Um, you have some ones that are more mental performance based, like reframing. It's like, how do you look at this situation differently? How do you find a way to tell yourself a story that's going to be have a more positive impact on how you function moving forward? And you also have mindfulness approaches. Where can you just observe, feel, notice the thoughts and stuff that is going through your head? So I don't think that there's any one particular way. I think there's a, a ton of ways, yeah. but it's important for a person to be able to master a way or master their way with an eclectic approach, which is one that, that I use, that I teach. But that takes time. And just like everything else, it takes practice. Um, since you're doing all this study on all this, this may come out of left field, but I am curious because there's a lot happening in this space right now, which is um, there's a lot of studies into um, uh uh, hallucinogenic drugs um, being used specifically by veterans now and others for medicinal purposes. Uh, and we've even heard players, prominent players like Aaron Rodgers, talk about the use of some of these type of drugs in a medicinal sense. Um, are, are you looking into that at all or are you have any interest into that at all and what the benefits may be of that when these studies are completed? No, I'm very comfortable talking about psychedelics because um that's something that when you start to look at the literature, you start to see that there was a really big wave of interest in using psychedelics to be able to help people with things like depression, marital conflict, um, anxiety. And then uh, for a couple of decades, we really went away from that. But now it's coming back. And for me, the way I process it is it's a, a drug is a compound. And it's really important when you're taking a compound understanding what it's doing in the brain, how it's affecting the physiology and the neurochemistry. But then you also have to remember dose and frequency. Yeah. So um, is there a promise in psychedelics to treat um, psychiatric illnesses or mental health disorders? Yeah, absolutely. There's psychiatrists that are currently working on ways to be able to leverage those compounds to help people. I think that people are going to find that maybe they like that approach more than sitting across from somebody and doing talk therapy. I don't think that one way is right. I don't think that one way is wrong. I think that there's a lot of good ways to help people get better. And I think that over the next decades, we'll see that psychedelics will become more integrated into possible treatment approaches. Okay. Uh, two more things and I'll let you go. Um, this podcast focused a lot on technology. What technologies are important to you in your work that you are using? Yeah, you know, I think it's really important when we think about, like, how do we strengthen a population of people that are now under stressors that humans weren't under before? Well, we've got to leverage things that are going to allow us to scale. So one of those things, of course, is going to be in how we use that to educate. You know, when we were writing the coaching wellness chapter, it was really important for myself and my co-author to think about the effect that we can have at scale by writing something like this. Like when we give people the information that they need to go out and become certified wellness coaches and to be able to affect people that maybe aren't gonna to come to therapy or probably don't need therapy, um, it was really important to say, how can we empower them? And this became an approach like being able to come onto a podcast and talk about subjects like this. Those are some of the things we're gonna to have to leverage. Also, I'm really interested in cognitive training. I think that when we talk again about how do we strengthen broad societies of people, we're going to have to find those means and being able to use AI, machine learning, different technologies that are going to allow us to be able to strengthen populations at scale. I think 
if there's one thing that I should probably repeat over and over and over is the conditions are tough, the stressors are heavy, and they'd be created by the way we're living. We're not probably going to change the way we live, so then we have to change our approach, and that's going to come through strength. And that strength is going to become is going to um, be created by leveraging technologies, so that people are now able to um, be more resilient to the demands that we're under. Okay. Um, last thing, uh, you had mentioned the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Would you like to tell our listeners what that is and, and what it does? Uh, so the uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine is really, um, I kind of look at it as a conglomerate of, of health. Right? They're constantly putting out information, conferences, trainings, teachings, to be able to help people get insights into areas that maybe they don't have a lot of experience with or to be able to get certifications in areas that are important for them. Um, specifically for the chapter we wrote for uh, certifying wellness coaches is we wanted to give them the information that if this is the only thing they ever read about the mind, the brain, cognition, emotional intelligence, healthy coping, stages of change, sleep education, on and on, would this be sufficient in helping them best meet the needs of their clients? And that was the question that we had to answer. So NASA has done a tremendous job of taking experts in the field, bringing them together, and allowing them to apply their knowledge towards creating programs and um, programming around areas that people find interesting or areas people want to work in. And I've been very, uh, I have to commend NASA really for the care that they put into making sure that they hire the right people to come in and be reviewers or to come in and be speakers or to come in and be authors. Julius Thomas is a former two-time Pro Bowl tight end. He's now a speaker, researcher, and mental performance expert. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the continuous flow of worthy content. It's a never-ending process. So with the leagues that we work with, we usually have over 95% of the athletes with their app on their phone. And that's where they get access to all their photos, their highlight clips. So if you go to the Instagram feed of, you know, an MLB player or something like that, you see them posting a you know, great photo from the game they just played or a huh. beautiful highlight video, um, that's where they're getting it. That's Daniel Kirshner, CEO and co-founder of Greenfly, which aims to help teams and athletes disseminate their best content efficiently. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.